Chapter nine of Elective Affinities and this is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Elective Affinities by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Chapter nine. The birthday was come, and everything was ready. The wall was all complete, which protected the raised village road against the water, and so was the walk. Passing the church, for a short time it followed the path which had been laid out by Charlotte, and then winding upwards among the rocks, inclined first under the summer-house to the right, and then, after a wide sweep, passed back above it to the right again, and so by degrees out on to the summit. A large party had assembled for the occasion. They went first to church, where they found the whole congregation collected together in their holiday dresses. After service they filed out in order, first the boys, then the young men, then the old. After them came the party from the castle, with their visitors and retinue, and the village maidens, young girls and women, brought up the rear. At the turn of the walk a raised stone seat had been contrived, where the captain made Charlotte and the visitors stop and rest. From here they could see over the whole distance from the beginning to the end, the troops of men who had gone up before them, the file of women following, and now drawing up to where they were. It was lovely weather, and the whole effect was singularly beautiful. Charlotte was taken by surprise, she was touched, and she pressed the captain's hand warmly, they followed the crowd who had slowly ascended and were now forming a circle round the spot where the future house was to stand the lord of the castle his family and the principal strangers were now invited to descend into the vault where the fountain stone supported on one side lay ready to be let down a well-dressed mason a trowel in one hand and a hammer in the other came forward and with much grace spoke an address in verse of which in prose we can give but an imperfect rendering three things he began are to be looked to in a building that it stand on the right spot, that it be securely founded, and that it be successfully executed. The first is the business of the master of the house, his and his only. As in the city the prince and the council alone determined where a building shall be, so in the country it is the right of the lord of the soil that he shall say, Here my dwelling shall stand, here and nowhere else. Edward and Ottilie were standing opposite one another as these words were spoken, but they did not venture to look up and exchange glances. To the third, the execution, there is neither art nor handicraft which must not in some way contribute. But the second, the founding, is the province of the mason, and, boldly to speak it out, it is the head and front of all the undertaking. A solemn thing it is, and our bidding you descend hither is full of meaning. You are celebrating your festival in the deep of the earth. Here within this hollow spot you show us the honour of appearing as witnesses of our mysterious craft presently we shall lower down this carefully hewn stone into its place and soon these earth walls now ornamented with fair and worthy persons will be no more accessible but will be closed in for ever this foundation stone which with its angles typifies the just angles of the building with the sharpness of its moulding the regularity of it and with the truth of its lines to the horizontal and perpendicular the uprightness and equal height of all the walls we might now without more ado let down it would rest in its place with its own weight but even here there shall not fail of lime and means to bind it. For as human beings who may be well inclined to each other by nature, yet hold more firmly together when the law cements them, so are stones also, whose forms may already fit together, united far better by these binding forces. It is not seemly to be idle among the working, and here you will not refuse to be our fellow labourer. With these words he reached the trial to Charlotte, who threw mortar with it under the stone. Several of the others were then desired to do the same, and then it was at once let fall, upon which the hammer was placed next in Charlotte's, and then in the other's hands, to strike six times with it, 
and conclude in this expression the wedlock of the stone with the earth the work of the mason went on the speaker now under the free sky as we are if it be not done in concealment yet must pass into concealment the soil will be laid smoothly in and thrown over this stone and with the walls which we rear into the daylight we in the end are seldom remembered the works of the stone-cutter and the carver remain under the eyes but for us it is not to complain when the plasterer blots out the last trace of our hands and appropriates our work to himself when he overlays it and smooths it and colours it not from regard for the opinion of others but from respect for himself the mason will be faithful in his calling there is none who has more need to feel in himself the consciousness of what he is when the house is finished when the soil is smoothed and the surface plastered over and the outside all overwrought with ornament he can even see in yet through all disguises and still recognize those exact and careful adjustments to which the whole is indebted for its being and for its persistence but as the man who commits some evil deed has to fear that notwithstanding all precautions it will one day come to light so too must he expect who has done some good thing in secret that it also in spite of himself will appear in the day and therefore we make this foundation stone at the same time a stone of memorial here in these various hollows which have been hewn into it many things are now to be buried as a witness to some far-off world these metal cases hermetically sealed contain documents in writing matters of various note are engraved on these plates in these fair glass bottles we bury the best old wine with a note of the year of its vintage we have coins too of many kinds from the mint of the current year all this we have received through the liberality of him for whom we build there is space yet remaining if guest or spectator desires to offer anything to the afterworld after a slight pause the speaker looked round but as is commonly the case on such occasions no one was prepared they were all taken by surprise at last a merry-looking young officer set the example and said if i am to contribute anything which as yet is not to be found in this treasure chamber it shall be a pair of buttons from my uniform i don't see why they do not deserve to go down to posterity no sooner said than done and then a number of persons found something of the same sort which they could do the young ladies did not hesitate to throw in some of their side hair-combs smelling-bottles and other trinkets were not spared only ottilie hung back till a kind word from edward roused her from the abstraction in which she was watching the various things being heaped in then she unclasped from her neck the gold chain on which her father's picture had hung and with a light gentle hand laid it down on the other jewels edward rather disarranged the proceedings by at once in some haste having the cover let fall and fastened down the young mason who had been most active through all this again took his place as orator and went on we lay down this stone for ever for the establishing the present and the future possessors of this house but in that we bury this treasure together with it we do it in the remembrance in this most enduring of works of the perishableness of all human things we remember that a time may come when this cover so far sealed shall again be lifted and that can only be when all shall again be destroyed which as yet we have not brought into being but now now that it had once may begin to be back with our thoughts out of the future back into the present at once after the feast which we have this day kept together let us on with our labour let no one of all those trades which are to work on our foundation through us keep unwilling holiday let the building rise swiftly to its height and out of the windows which as yet have no existence may the master of the house with his family and with his guests look forth with a glad heart over his broad lands to him and to all here present herewith be health and happiness with these words he drained a richly cut tumbler at a draught and flung it into the air thereby to signify the excess of pleasure 
by destroying the vessel which had served for such a solemn occasion. This time, however, it fell out otherwise. The glass did not fall back to the earth, and indeed without a miracle. In order to get forward with the buildings, they had already thrown out the whole of the soil at the opposite corner. Indeed, they had begun to raise the wall, and for this purpose had reared a scaffold as high as was absolutely necessary. On the occasion of the festival, boards had been laid along the top of this, and a number of spectators were allowed to stand there. It had been meant principally for the advantage of the workmen themselves. The glass had flown up there, and had been caught by one of them, who took it as a sign of good luck for himself. He waved it round without letting it out of his hand, and the letters E and O were to be seen very richly cut upon it, running one into the other. It was one of the glasses which had been executed for Edward when he was a boy. The scaffoldings were again deserted, and the most active among the party climbed up to look round them, and could not speak enough in praise of the beauty of the prospect on all sides. How many new discoveries does not a person make, when on some high point he ascends but a single story higher? Inland many fresh villages came in sight. The line of the river could be traced like a thread of silver. Indeed one of the party thought that he distinguished the spires of the capital. On the other side, behind the wooded hill, the blue peaks of the far-off mountains were seen rising, and the country immediately about them was spread out like a map. If the three ponds, cried some one, were but thrown together to make a single sheet of water, there would be everything here which is noblest and most excellent. That might easily be effected, the captain said. In early times they must have formed all one lake among the hills here. Only I must beseech you to spare my clump of plains and poplars that stand so prettily by the centre pond, said Edward. See, he turned to Ottilie, bringing her a few steps forward and pointing down. Those trees I planted myself. How long have they been standing there? asked Ottilie. Just about as long as you have been in the world, replied Edward. Yes, my dear child. I planted them when you were still lying in your cradle. The party now betook themselves back to the castle. After dinner was over, they were invited to walk through the village, to take a glance at what had been done there as well. At a hint from the captain, the inhabitants had collected in front of the houses. They were not standing in rows, but formed in natural family groups, partly occupied at their evening work, part out enjoying themselves on the new benches. They had determined, as an agreeable duty which they imposed upon themselves, to have everything in its present order and cleanliness, at least every Sunday and holiday. A little party, held together by such feelings as had grown up among our friends, is always unpleasantly interrupted by a large concourse of people. All four were delighted to find themselves again alone in the large drawing-room, but this sense of home was a little disturbed by a letter which was brought to Edward, giving notice of fresh guests, who were to arrive the following day. "'It is as we suppose,' Edward cried to Charlotte. "'The Count will not stay away. He is coming to-morrow.' "'Then the Baroness, too, is not far off,' answered Charlotte. "'Doubtless not,' said Edward. "'She is coming, too, to-morrow, from another place. "'They only beg to be allowed to stay for a night. "'The next day they will go on together. "'We must prepare for them in time, Ottilie,' said Charlotte. "'What arrangement shall I desire to be made?' Ottilie asked. "'Charlotte gave a general direction, and Ottilie left the room. "'The captain inquired into the relation in which these two persons stood towards one another, "'and with which he was only very generally acquainted. "'They had some time before, both being already married.' fallen violently in love with one another. A double marriage was not to be interfered with without attracting attention. A divorce was proposed. On the baroness's side it could be effected. On that of the count it could not. They were obliged seemingly to separate, but their position towards one another remained unchanged, and though in the winter at the residence they were unable to be together, they indemnified themselves in the summer 
while making tours and staying at watering-places. They were both slightly older than Edward and Charlotte, and had been intimate with them from early times, at court. The connection had never been absolutely broken off, although it was impossible to approve of their proceedings. On the present occasion their coming was most unwelcome to Charlotte, and if she had looked closely into her reasons for feeling it so, she would have found it was on account of Ottilie. The poor innocent girl should not have been brought so early in contact with such an example. It would have been more convenient if they had not come till a couple of days later, Edward was saying, as Ottilie re-entered, till we had finished with this business of the farm. The deed of sale is complete. One copy of it I have here, but we want a second, and our old clerk has fallen ill. The captain offered his services, and so did Charlotte, but there was something or other to object to both of them. "'Give it to me,' cried Ottilie, a little hastily. "'You'll never be able to finish it,' said Charlotte. "'And really I must have it early the day after to-morrow, and it is long,' Edward added. "'It shall be ready,' Ottilie cried, and the paper was already in her hands. The next morning, as they were looking out from their highest windows for their visitors, whom they intended to go some way and meet, Edward said, "'Who is that yonder riding slowly along the road?' The captain described accurately the figure of the horseman. "'Then it is he,' said Edward. "'The particulars, which you can see better than I, agree very well with the general figure, which I can see too. It is Mittler. But what is he doing, coming riding at such a pace as that?' The figure came nearer, and Mittler it veritably was. They received him with warm greetings as he came slowly up the steps. "'Why did you not come yesterday?' Edward cried, as he approached. "'I do not like your grand festivities,' answered he. "'But I am come to-day to keep my friend's birthday with you quietly.' "'How are you able to find time enough?' asked Edward, with a laugh. "'My visit, if you can value it, you owe to an observation which I made yesterday. "'I was spending a right happy afternoon in a house where I had established peace, "'and then I heard that a birthday was being kept here. "'Now this is what I call selfish after all,' said I to myself. "'You will only enjoy yourself with those whose broken peace you have mended. "'Why cannot you for once go and be happy with friends who keep the peace for themselves?' "'No sooner said than done. "'Here I am.' as I determined with myself that I would be. Yesterday you would have met a large party here. To-day you will find but a small one, said Charlotte. You will meet the Count and the Baroness, with whom you have had enough to do already, I believe. Out of the middle of the party, who had all four come down to welcome him, the strange man dashed in the keenest disgust, seizing at the same time his hat and whip. Some unlucky star is always over me, he cried, directly I try to rest and enjoy myself. What business have I going out of my proper character? I ought never to have come, and now I am persecuted away. Under one roof with those two I will not remain, and you take care of yourselves. They bring nothing but mischief. Their nature is like leaven, and propagates its own contagion. They tried to pacify him, but it was in vain. Whoever strikes at marriage, he cried, whoever, either by word or act, undermines this, the foundation of all moral society, that man has to settle with me, and if I cannot become his master, I take care to settle myself out of his way. Marriage is the beginning and the end of all culture. It makes the savage mild, and the most cultivated has no better opportunity for displaying his gentleness. Indissoluble it must be, because it brings so much happiness, that what small exceptional unhappiness it may bring counts for nothing in the balance. And what do men mean by talking of unhappiness? Impatience it is, which from time to time comes over them, and then they fancy themselves unhappy. Let them wait till the moment is gone by and then they will bless their good fortune, that what has stood so long continues standing. There never can be any adequate ground for separation. The condition of man is pitched so high, in its joys and in its sorrows, that the sum which two married people owe to one another defies calculation. 
it is an infinite debt which can only be discharged through all eternity its annoyances marriage may often have i can well believe that and it is as it should be we are all married to our consciences and there are times when we should be glad to be divorced from them mine gives me more annoyance than ever a man or woman can give all this he poured out with the greatest vehemence he would very likely have gone on speaking longer had not the sound of the postilion's horns given notice of the arrival of the visitors who as if on a concerted arrangement drove into the castle court from opposite sides at the same moment mittler slipped away as their host hastened to receive them and desiring that his horse might be brought out immediately rode angrily off End of chapter nine